0: sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got to cover. And now on with the show. My guest today is Jim Gitney. Jim has over 45 years of senior level experience in world-class companies, ranging from startups to Fortune 50. He founded Group 50 Consulting in 2004 and has worked with over 200 companies formulating and implementing strategy. He has extensive experience in running large global operations and working with boards, business owners, and executives on developing and implementing transformative strategic initiatives, including growth, lean management, excuse me, business process, reengineering, and sustainable continuous improvement initiatives. Thanks so much for being here today, Jim.
1: It's my pleasure. You're welcome.
0: Uh, so t- talk to me about, just so everyone has a clear understanding, what is the business hierarchy of needs?
1: So great question. Uh, <clears throat> over the my 45-year career, um, I've been a fix-it person, which is one of the reasons why I started Group 50 in 2004. And, What I found in just about every instance is that organizations struggled because of a lack of alignment and agreement on where the business was going and how Mm. it was going to get there. And so as I've been working with clients, I have found that every business has a core set of needs. And we've all heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Well, you kind of take that concept and apply it to the business setting. And so there's three levels in the business hierarchy of needs, Uh, strategy, analysis, and planning. uh, That's level one. Level two is what I call knowledge and change management, which is all about organization and people. And level three is implementation. And you have to progress through each one of these levels in order to successfully implement a business strategy. What's interesting is that 80% of strategies don't realize their intended value, and 60% of CEOs say their organization doesn't do a good job of implementing strategy. And oftentimes, it's not because their strategy is bad. It's because it isn't focused enough, and they haven't spent enough time on the bridge between strategy and results, which is the organization, and its people. So oh. in the, go ahead. I'm
0: sorry, those are really high numbers. So
1: <laughs> they are.
0: So yes. do they, so it sounds to me like the CEOs don't necessarily know um, what's getting in the way. Like they may think they do, but they aren't thinking it in terms of this sort of hierarchy, this sort of system. Is that a fair analysis?
1: Uh, so yes, it's directionally correct. And, And here's what I mean by that. You know, I was brought up, I have an MBA finance and strategic planning. And during my education, I was taught that businesses should have three to five strategies and no more. Uh, oftentimes those strategies are at odds with each other. And so what we've done in the business hierarchy of needs is we're encouraging our clients to focus on one most important goal. Perhaps it's growth. Great. What does that mean? Well, let's assume that we say that it's, I want to double the size of the revenues in the business within the next five years. Okay. We can create a strategy around that. We can use that to communicate to all the stakeholders in the business teams of people, functional organizations, individuals, vendors, customers, the board of directors, and get them all focused on the things that they, once they've agreed to it and have agreed to be accountable to it, we can now parse out all of the activities that every individual stakeholder in the business is responsible for. I like to call the most important goal in the business hierarchy of needs the politically correct way to say no, so that if a group of people or a team or an individual has a bright idea and it doesn't move the company toward achieving its most important goal, it never gets brought to the table.
0: Right, yeah, go
1: ahead. So I talked about the three levels of the business hierarchy of needs. There's actually 29 elements in the business hierarchy of needs and people who hear that number go, oh my, I can't manage 29 (laughs) things, right? Yeah. Think about it, 29 yeah. things. That's a lot. Well, the reality is every business does these 29 things. Oh. They have mission, vision, values, leadership traits. They have succession planning. They have compensation programs. They have learning programs in order to increase the skills. They do things to optimize teams. They you know, implement continuous impro- improvement programs and do... Um, value stream mapping and process reengineering—they do all of these things. So, going back to your original question, where you said, "Is it because the CEOs don't know how to do the do it?" What they typically, ultimately, what typically happens is they don't know how to align the 29 elements to the most important goal. Oh, we're not—we're not introducing a whole new series of things that people need to do yeah. we're only suggesting through the business hierarchy of needs that what they need to do is align every one of these things to a most important goal
0: okay that feels so much better
1: <laughs>
0: there are 29 <laughs> things
1: <laughs> well so if i have for example team optimization which is part of level 2 I mean, we we've read a, have heard of all kinds of great books on, you know, putting the right people in the right seat and, you know, get, you know, finding the uh, level five leader and those kinds of things. Well, that's all great stuff, but where these books fall short in that discussion is when I do, when we do strategic planning and create an implementation plan with a client, We want to know what's the organization requirements for its current state, and what does the organization requirement look like for its future state? So imagine a company that's $50 million that wants to grow to $100 million. It's a completely different entity at $100 million. Yeah. And the seats on the bus, are the requirements for each one of the seats on the bus are going to change. And so... We encourage our clients to put together a plan that allows them to migrate from their current organization to the needs of the future organization. But more importantly, we also talk about the needs of the, the skill level needs of the people inside the organization. You know, um, organizations today are typically run by technology. Yeah. I mean, look at what we're doing, right? Yeah. (laughs) Two people, what, 20, you know, 2,000 miles apart. Yeah. Leveraging technology in order to create a message and to distribute it to a broader audience. And, And what we've done is we've organized our business processes and ourselves around that technology. And so... Learning how to leverage technology, how to take advantage of it is an incredibly important part of the business hierarchy of needs, and something that I believe that senior leadership teams, especially the implementation teams for a company's strategy, don't spend enough time on
0: huh yeah that would make that makes a lot of sense to me i I agree with you, I don't think they do um what is where to play and
1: how to win? So great question. Uh, where to play and how to win are not new concepts. I mean, they've been around for a long time. Um, but I use where to play and how to win as the as a way to communicate to every level in an organization the things that need to be done. So where to play? Well, You know, we all, when we grew up, know about where to play and how to win. You know, when we were perhaps playing football or soccer or baseball or gymnastics or, you know, dancing, we knew where we wanted to be and where we were going to play or compete. And we all had our own plan on how to win. So we use that simple concept because everyone understands that, intrinsically understands that. So where to play is about defining the markets and channels of distribution and the customers that a company is going after. How to win are the strategies and tactics that are going to make me successful in that playing field. Interesting. And so we talk about, we break up the, um, strategic planning process into those two elements partially because you typically have a group of people that are uniquely focused on market facing activities where to play
0: yeah
1: and you typically have a group of operational folks you know engineers and manufacturing or service providers or paralegals or others who are the ones that are going to make it happen And we purposefully divide the strategic planning teams into those two buckets. And we add another bucket called technology, going back to this previous conversation about the technology and the technology backbone that drives successful businesses.
0: Okay. So the question that keeps rolling around in my head is about fully engaging all the stakeholders like in the implementation of the strategy, how does that happen?
1: So in my book, Strategy realized the Business Hierarchy of Needs, I actually lay that out. If you talk about level one, which is strategy and analytics and planning, that's typically the domain of the board of directors and the C-suite and some middle-level managers. Because after all, they're responsible for chartering the course of the business and moving it toward its mission and vision. Sure. Level two is, which is people and organization or what we call knowledge and change management, is primarily the domain of middle-level leaders and key influencers. And so once strategies have been developed and operating and strategic gaps have been identified, we move the planning process downstream to the middle level of the organization, to get their alignment, to have them uh, take ownership for various tactics that support business strategy, and then and and in that level too, we were also engaging others in the business and creating the plans, the rollout plans, the migration plans, the technology plans, perhaps the operational plans that will then create the roadmap for implementing this strategy. Level three, which is implementation, is primarily the domain of what I'm going to call others, the supervisors, the engineers, the planners, the um, product design engineers who are responsible for making those things happen now notice in my conversation that i said primarily the domain yeah in each one of these elements we want to involve as many people as possible in planning these things out because if i if if i'm a um let's say i'm a manufacturing engineer on the shop floor and you know, I, I'll apologize in advance for all my references to manufacturing and distribution because that's who I am. <laughs> it's yeah, all good. Right? Yeah. Um, if I'm a manufacturing engineer and I understand that in order to realize our most important goal of doubling revenues in the business, now I know what my accountability is, the things I need to do in order to increase capacity. And that might be redesigning a new plant. That might be, if I'm in purchasing, it might be finding a, a vendor who can give us more finished goods. It might be working with a third-party logistics company to, you know, handle my inven- increased inventory needs, or it might be designing a new process to support a product. Mm-hmm. But we want to make sure that as an as the manufacturing engineer, I understand what my role is in helping the company achieve its most important goal. And what we find in organizations that we work with is when you get down to that level in the organization, those people typically can't tell you what the most important goal is because most companies don't have one. Right. They certainly can't talk about what the business strategies are to any significant extent. And they don't aren't able to communicate what their role is in making that happen. Um, I'm going to digress for a second and talk about the fact that there's been a lot of writing and books about, you know, the Gen X and the millennials needing to feel like they're you know, a part of something bigger. huh. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like you've heard that as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I have a problem with that statement. What is it? The problem is that I'm a baby boomer and I want to be part of something bigger as well, (laughs) right? I want to be led. As an individual or a team member, we need to be led. We want to be led. And we want to know we're being led from what to what by when. Yeah. And when I understand that, it's a lot easier for me to accept and even to work harder on the things I need to do. Yeah because I feel like my contribution is more important. I feel like I'm helping move the strategic needle, all of those kinds of things. And um, the reason that strategies don't, such a high percentage of strategies don't meet their intended, uh, create their intended value is because we create the strategy, perhaps we talk to you know the next level down in the organization, and then we go. You go off and do this, right? right? There isn't enough communication. There isn't enough involvement throughout the entire organization, and that's that's the the crux of the problem.
0: How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba.
1: But post-pandemic, it's even worse because we have such a larger percentage of the workforce that's remote, and they don't. Remote workers don't have the same abilities to, to you know, talk around the water cooler with their peers on business strategy and things that are going on. And so, um, I'm actually writing a paper on addressing the needs. The new needs of a business in a post with a post-pandemic workforce, and it's all about engagement. the The other thing that's interesting is in 1995. So again, aging myself here, I was running Black and Decker's largest manufacturing facility um, in North Carolina, appliance manufacturing facility in North Carolina, and I had 2,000 employees, and I did a survey and I found out that 10 or 15% of those employees had master's degrees, bachelor degrees, they built race cars, they built computer systems, they did programming, did all kinds of really cool things, had some really great skill sets. And we figured out a way to leverage those skill sets. And within three years, they were more active, more involved, more satisfied in the jobs that they were doing and we went from 150 million dollars in the sales value of goods to over 600 million wow in production so we we over triple we more than tripled the output yeah. of the facility in three years and it was because we had a successful approach to engaging a larger portion of the organization
0: so would you say that's really the the Um, role uh, or or that is the definition of effective leadership is engaging people in in something that they can feel their contribution
1: to? So, that's one of the top three elements of effective leadership. So, we we want to engage people and, and maximize their capabilities. The second element of effective leadership is to make sure that we provide them with the skills they need to be successful. And the third element of effective leadership is to make sure that we are very clear with the people in the organization on what their roles and accountabilities are and and that we get alignment and agreement with them on those roles and accountabilities. Those are the three primary elements of effective leadership in my mind.
0: Boy, that's tricky. <laughs> I'm totally i totally agree with you, but I, I think, I mean, so many leaders I come across don't, uh, there's, there's no clarity around impact, around uh, consequences, expectations. It's just, you know, soup.
1: So, Diane, that's you're you're absolutely right. I see it all the time as well in projects that we do. But a lot of that, a lot of times, that's the fault of senior leaders. Yeah, right. Because they haven't taken the time to communicate the most important goal and the strategies and tactics that what I'm going to call middle level leader leaders need to be responsible for. Right. So, yeah, you know, it's a waterfall. Yeah. And it goes downhill, Uh right? Yeah. But, you know, if I keep it damned up and I don't take the time to communicate to the middle level, the middle level of the organization and the rest of the organization, then I shouldn't have expect my my expectations shouldn't be that everyone's going to know what they're supposed to do.
0: And yet. (laughs) They have a tendency to do that. It's so interesting. I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, I I can't count uh, the number of leaders who I have talked to over the years who have just assumed that everyone knows where the organization is going, what matters, what their role in all that is, And and then you know, you talk to the staff and they just look at you like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I come in, I do my thing. I don't know how it's connected to anything.
1: Yeah. So we've coined a phrase called anti-strategy and anti-strategy is defined as very capable, well-meaning people optimizing something without a broader goal or objective in mind. (laughs) Here's an example of it. Well, if you've got time, I'll give you two examples. Sure. Uh, One is I'm a manufacturing guy and I know how to minimize working capital. I mean, how to absolutely reduce the amount of money I have tied up in inventory.
0: Okay.
1: But if my most important goal, if one of my most important goals is 100% on-time delivery in full to our customers, Mm -hmm. minimizing the amount of inventory I have is the wrong strategy.
0: Yeah. That's a great example. Right? Uh Uh-huh.
1: I have to have an appropriate inventory level. Now, how I structure that inventory is a a different conversation, but I have to have a larger investment in, in inventory in order to be able to meet that goal. Yeah. Now, I'll give you another example. Okay. And I talk about it in the book. So, when I was... The head of ops for an organization and I brought into a presentation and the marketing organization has got this is, is requesting two and a half million dollars to create a countertop ice cream maker. What? A countertop ice cream maker. Okay. So you put ingredients in it, you turn the button on, and out comes soft ice cream. Okay. And the marketing and sales folks were just all kinds of excited about it. So I'm listening to the presentation and I'm not saying anything, which we don't know each other, but that's unusual for me. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I've i been accused of being an opinion looking for a place to land. Um, so I'm, I'm quiet and the CEO looks over and he goes, well, you're not saying anything. He goes, what's up? And and here was my question. We know how to make things. We're better than anyone else at making things hot. Curling irons, coffee makers, toaster ovens, those types of products. We do that better than anybody else. We don't know how to make anything cold. And so what is it going to take for us in order to become better than anybody else at making things cold? Well, we need different engineering teams, we need a different supply chain, we need different manufacturing facilities, capabilities, we need um, you know, a whole new approach to the marketplace. And so while if that's where we wanna go in the business then as part of our strategic plan, fine, but shouldn't we really, if we're gonna make that kind of investment, shouldn't we really have a whole uh, portfolio of products that make things cold? And the, the good news was, that I w- the room was silent. Could <laughs> have heard a pin drop. And and we agreed at that moment that this was not something we were going to go after. Because well, thank goodness, the, 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 it wasn't clearly articulated on who we were and what our business lovers were. Yeah. And so you know this whole where to play, how to win thing is a a overarching approach to strategic planning, which includes what's our value proposition and what's our business levers. And our Mm -hmm. value proposition was we know how to make things hot.
0: It's so easy to not be able to see that when a good idea, what, what seems to be a good idea comes along.
1: Right. And so if we had had as if if they had followed the tenets of the business hierarchy of needs and where to play and how to win, that conversation would have never been brought to the table. And we spent, as a company, $250,000, dollars in developing mock-ups, wow. industrial designs, doing market research and that type of thing. And it was completely out of our sphere of um, our value proposition.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow and I love this whole um concept of it never would have been brought to the table that it's gold.
1: It it really is. It, and so you go okay Jim I mean you know you're saying a whole bunch of things consultants speak. Let's break it down into really simple elements. I know what my organization looks like. <clears throat> I know what it's capable of. We create a most important goal that everyone needs to be focused on. We create strategies to get there, and we engage as many people as we can in the implementation of those strategies. It is that simple.
0: Well, we're so good at complicating it, aren't we?
1: And, and I'm guilty of that as well, Diane. <laughs> well,
0: we all are, right? But but this is why these sorts of the sort of structure and hierarchy and guidelines are so important because they keep us from being our own worst enemy.
1: You're absolutely right, you're absolutely right. And you know people talk about business culture and they talk about lots and lots of things. Um, what I want for a culture in my business is where I can go to anybody in the organization and ask them what's our most important goal and what's your role in helping us accomplish that? Yeah, and if I can get there, then i've then I've I've acquired the Holy Grail,
0: yep. Yeah, I totally get that. I agree with you. This is really, it's such an interesting and for me, refreshing way of looking at this whole concept. Uh, so I'm so grateful to you for uh, joining me and and explaining some of it. Um, will you, so thank you so much. And will you tell the listeners how they can find you and how they can get the book and anything else you think they should know?
1: So. Um, the book is available today as a Kindle and a PDF, excuse me, and will be launched in a hardcover on the 9th of February. Okay. So it's a strategy realized the business hierarchy of needs is available on Amazon today. Okay. And all you need to do is type in strategy realized and it'll come up. It can be pre-ordered on Barnes & Noble. But instead of doing those things, if our listeners want, go to www.strategyrealized.com and you can see um, reviews. You can see uh, some blog articles on the book. You can order it directly from links are on the homepage so that you can order it from the various sites that I've talked about but there's a page called resources on that website. Okay. So we actually have available to listeners, the where to win, how to play, where to play, how to win worksheet. Okay. And we also have a workbook. It's in the form of a word document. If you want to take a shot at designing your own unique business hierarchy of needs or addressing your own unique business hierarchy of needs. And it's, at the end of each section in the book, I have a list of questions that you should be thinking about. And it's all compiled into one document that people can actually go and download and begin working on it themselves.
0: That's awesome.
1: Right. Because I know I know that there are going to be people, and I'm one of them, who is going to say, well, um, let me take a look at this first. <laughs> Right? Sure. Because if it, if it's a shortcut to being able to address my own unique business hierarchy of needs, let's try that. Then maybe I'll get the book. And then maybe we'll call Jim yeah, or, or go to the group 50, uh, www.group50.com. That's five zero dot com uh, to find out what this whole group 50 consulting company is about.
0: Right. <laughs> Well, you certainly know your audience
1: <laughs> well, but it, and, and Diana, it's it's partially because I am my own audience. Yeah. You, you know, I,
0: yeah,
1: I wrote the book because I've been talking about the business hierarchy of needs since two thousand and thirteen. And we just spent thirty six minutes talking about the business hierarchy of needs. And people don't have that kind of in- attention span, yeah. And so I wrote the book and put together the resources to allow people to get their more easily get their mind around it.
0: Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think that's a great way of doing it. Thank you. Well, they they need to go out and get it. I'll make sure all this information is on the show notes, uh, you know, on the show page. So it will live there and they will be able to get it. So thank you so much for this. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth,
1: goodbye and good day. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio? to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you
0: find your podcasts.